Shroom Pod, a podcast where I just talk about whatever I'm thinking, whatever's on my mind. Um, Today is my first episode with a guest. Her name is Sydney, and she is, in a word, incredible. Um, Sydney and I have been friends for a very long time and kind of worked together to navigate the field of being working adults in art and I wanted to talk to her about that today because I think this is the first time both of us have felt like we have a handle on what that looks like in our lives and what art means to us as two creative people. So I'm really excited to talk with her today and to have you all listen. I do art for um, Sydney and her co-host Abby's podcast, Friends of Folklore. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you have seen my many posts for them. Um, their episodes release every other Wednesday, and they have a Spooky Tuesday episode once a month. I will link their information in the description, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. And. <laughs> I hope you enjoy women with very loud laughs because that is another thing that we share. And I love our laughter because women should have loud laughs. We shouldn't have to be quiet or small or make ourselves be quiet and small. If you got a cackle, bitch, give me a cackle. Okay, here we go. Hello. Hi, Sydney. How are you, my friend? Oh, I am lovely. How are you, my friend? (sighs) You know, I'm good now. It was one of those mornings where you wake up and you're like, oh, I have everything to do in my life today. (laughs) And then you actually sit down and make a list and you calm the fuck down. (laughs) See, that's that's what I should do when that happens. What I typically (laughs) do is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And just let the panic ensue just wash over me like rain mm. from mm. the heavens beautiful it's gorgeous. or hell or hell yeah whatever <laughs> purgatory a little bit of both i don't care yeah i don't believe um, any of it so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so uh when we are recording because i'm gonna do an intro i just want to clarify for everybody we're friends right you're my yeah, friend we're really good friends we're okay. like we're like BFFs forever. We, honest to God, are the same person 90% of the time, to be fair. But, uh, yes. <laughs> Was there any doubt that are. we're friends? No, I just always feel awkward when I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, do they know each other? Or are they just riffing because it's awkward? <laughs> um, yeah, Monique officiated my wedding. I we did. know each other. Yes. A little bit, you know. Enough to be a part of the marriage, you know, so. (laughs) Um, No, we've known each other for quite a while now. As long as I've been married, I'm pretty sure. We met when I was engaged. Yeah. We met, no, you weren't engaged yet. Oh, I wasn't. We met, so I I know how old I was, and you're a month older than me, so you were the same age. So we were Mm -hmm. 19. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was working, I had worked at that restaurant where we met before, but I went back for a summer gig and that's right. how. Yeah. And you and you, you guys were just dating. I remember when oh. you got engaged because you texted me about it. Oh, I did? <laughs> you so... did. Yeah. You told me all about it. I ran into you at the airport, like right before you went on that trip where you got engaged. What? 
Why are yeah, we at the airport? Fun. No, I have. Oh, okay. God. It's horrible. <laughs> I have these huge <laughs> gaps in my memory. And um, I feel bad. Everyone around me has to fill in these gaps. I'm like, I did that. <laughs> wow. I sound really nice. I didn't think I was that nice. <laughs> no, my, my parents went on a lot of um, business trips back then. So oh. I was probably just driving my mom to the airport or something. Wow. So and I ran into you. Yeah. You're probably the last person I saw besides um, Franco's family as like, a single person. Well, not single, but, you know. But, like, an unmarried person. Yeah. Before you were affianced. Before I was, uh, he was making me an honest woman, finally. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> um, not good, because when we first got together, I was very conservative and religious. And now I'm a sailored mouth teenage boy, basically. So. <laughs> I mean, same, though. By the way, can we, can we swear? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's explicit. Okay, cool. I forgot to ask. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I was going to try to make it a not swearing podcast, and then I was like, who am I fucking kidding? I know myself. That's not going to happen. Oh, also, I used your name. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just figure I'll just put Monique, Monique Angel, and we'll call it good. Cool. I will not use your surname, then. Thank you. And my middle name, and my social security card. And your middle name. My address. Because I have all of that information. (laughs) I do have your address. (laughs) (laughs) um love it so that's how close we are we keep our important documents in the same box i have a copy of all of yours and your husband's documents because i had to update it after you got married and vice versa you totally handled all of the social security office i appreciate you and you do it for us it just makes it easier if we swap you know those attachment you know yes exactly um so, obviously, I talked about your pod in the intro, but oh, I kind of yeah. wanted to talk about just being working adults who make space for art in our lives, um, because it is pretty messy and complicated most of the time, but it's like a vital part of existing <laughs> as a working adult. Oh, definitely. Especially oh, for God. two people who are artists already Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and also the idea of you know having your art as like a passion project instead of what you make money from exactly yeah so um why don't you yeah tell me a little bit more about your projects what you have worked on in the past your writing um why did you start the pod you know oh sure um well so I've been seriously writing fiction since I was probably 14 Mm -hmm. and that sort of began with a very um intense passion for the Pirates of the Caribbean movie oh (laughs) we are less than eight minutes in and we're already talking about pirates and just so you guys know this is a, a thing I have with Sydney I had to tell her like do you know you talk about pirates and like the sea all the time, even though we're desert babies, and she had no idea. And I was like, "Bullshit!" I never you noticed. know. I never you know. You talk nautical. <laughs> oh my Abby god! I didn't either. I brought it up. <laughs> See, it's actually really funny because um, you're. This episode gets released on Wednesday, right? Yes. So also today is the release of the Friends of Folklore episode, which is about pirate lore. Love. So Absolutely I'm love. fresh off of <laughs> pirates. <laughs> But I I really think that is my origin story. It, honest Um, to God, for somebody who's from the desert, who's never lived by the ocean, it's all you talk about. (laughs) 
It's all I talk about. It's a problem. So I was like nine years old Mm -hmm. and I went to see the movie for like a birthday party and I was forever changed. And it kind of began like this obsession with learning everything I could about pirates, which turned into an obsession about learning all that I could about history. Interesting. And I actually ended up minoring in history in college. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to figure out like... That's like one half of my origin story. And the other half of my origin story is when I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was like seven or eight. Mm -hmm. I had like really, really awful dyslexia. Like they, I was a third grader and I had a first grade reading level. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to do was read, but I got so frustrated. I was just like, I told my mom, I was like, I'm done. I don't ever want to do it again. And she was like. Well, this is kind of all you've talked about your entire life. So right. So that's, that's bullshit. There's obviously an issue. <laughs> exactly. So we ended up getting me tested and that led to me having a tutor, I think, three mornings a week. Would they come to your house? Yeah. Yeah. So her name was Suzanne and she actually passed away a few years ago. Aww. But, you know, sad. But she um, she would come to my house before school and we would like do like reading flashcards and work on syntax and stuff and I I don't know what it was but she she let me read what I wanted so there was like all of these huge difference like there was all of these like super patronizing books that my teachers were giving us to study together right right. and I hated them (laughs) yeah I'm a very like stubborn person and if I don't want to do something, I'm just not going to fucking do it. So I, which I find ridiculously attractive about you because I'm the same way too. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want all of my friends <laughs> to be this type of women. I, I really like, it's awful. Like you can ask my husband. I just don't, I don't do a single thing. I don't want to do and it. So she kind of was like, okay, why don't you and your mom go to the store and get like a book that you want? And I ended up picking up the magic tree house. Have you read these? You know, it sounds kind of familiar. Was it like a chapter mm-hmm. book? Yeah, it was like those tiny little chapter books for kids. Yeah. And basically. I, yeah, I kind of remember them. Yeah. So it was like these two siblings and they had this tree house that would take them back in time. And I went from not being able to spell my own name to reading this book in like two days, which was not something that I thought I was even like remotely capable of. Mm. And that just kind of led me down this rabbit hole of like loving stories so much Mm -hmm. that I was willing to kind of work through the dyslexia issue. And I actually, (laughs) humble brag, (laughs) please, uh, (laughs) please. In that year, I went from a first to a 12th grade reading level. Holy shit. While you were in third grade still. (laughs) Yeah, like maybe third to fourth grade. Yeah. Which actually, like now that you've said it, I'm like, of course you did. Because like that... (laughs) Your love affair of reading would only grow and deepen from there. And it's incredible when you love something, how, how strong that is to your education, you know? Absolutely. Like how much you're willing to suffer through. Yes. To get to it. And it was probably, sorry. No, go ahead. Finish. I was going to say it was probably the hardest thing that I had to do in my life before the Trump presidency. And, um, And because of that, it kind of just was like, okay, there's no way in hell I'm ever letting this go. And that sort of is what made me want to start writing stories of my own. 
I think that's fascinating. I mean, I tell my students all the time, you know, the hardest experiences in your life, you have no idea how they will motivate you to do like the greatest things you'll ever accomplish. And it you want to shape you. Yeah. And there's no way to know it in the moment. You just have to trust yeah. the process, which is art in itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any paint, <laughs> any painting I've ever started, I start the first layer on top of the sketch and I'm like, well, this looks like shit. Why did I ruin my sketch? But then you just got to trust the process and trust the building and in the end, it 100%. works out, you know? Um, I totally agree. It's fascinating because I was also diagnosed with dyslexia, but not until I was already in college. I was in my, really? my freshman year of college. Yes. And I knew, I always knew something was wrong. But when I told my mom, like, I don't want to read, I'm not interested, I want to focus on math. She was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't <laughs> like something I had ever really talked about. It was... I just w- really liked math and it was really hard for me, but I enjoyed it. And that was the field I ended up investing a lot with field. What is it in school? Uh, um, subject. Subject. That I invested yes. a lot of my energy in. And then now I teach math to special needs students because it is one of those things, just like you described with your tutor, if you can frame it in a way that makes sense, that is exciting, mm-hmm. anybody can learn it. Well, and, and having somebody to sort of guide you mm-hmm. is, I find, like, really crucial to that Oh yeah, process. And that's why I think you're a goddamn superhero. Oh, thank you. But, you know, <laughs> it's not just having someone to guide you, but someone who genuinely believes you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who, who doesn't, you know, because there's, there's a lot of stress, I feel like, around, well, how to put this. I feel so my teacher's immediate reaction to discovering that I was dyslexic was to put me in the special education. Wow. Um, I don't know if it's called that anymore. It is. But it is. yeah, okay. So yeah, that's what they wanted to do. And my mom was like, no, I don't think so. I think we're going to try something different first. Yeah. And special education in 2002, 2003 uh, is not what it is now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the process has changed so much. You would have gone through intervention for like a year before you actually entered special ed. That's like, it's way more rigorous and different now because then, yeah, they were just throwing anybody and everybody into it. And it was mostly the poor students would all be lumped oh, into yeah, special absolutely. ed. And then they graduate without skills. Oh, yeah. And this was a Montessori school. So mm. this was like, oh, wow. It's not like my teacher. <laughs> I was one of two students in my class. Wow. So it's not like my teacher didn't have the time right. to spend on me. I mean, I don't want to like bash him because I don't really know the whole situation. I just know how I felt at the time. Definitely. It felt very much like I was just going to be put away. Yeah. So no one would have to worry about me. And I'm very grateful for my mom who's like, no. Yeah. We're going to try something else. Unfortunately, that's how it edu- special education was for even now it still struggles with, but for most of education's lifetime was that if you were not perfect, then you were Mm -hmm. basically put away in a group that wasn't really serviced at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I understand. Like I I'm sure it's not perfect. So I understand it's a lot better than it used to be. Oh, definitely. There's levels now of intervention. And then once you're in special ed, there's levels at Mm -hmm. which you receive service. So like, not everyone just placed in one room, which doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of different Yeah, levels. all these people with different needs. Exactly. Yeah. So when, That's really interesting. When did you complete, let's say, your first full writing project that you felt like 
was you. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my sister, who is the co-host of, of my podcast and one of the best people living. Honest, um, she is. She really is. She's so great. She's so great. <laughs> she is the only person who knows the location of that particular, I hesitate to call it a manuscript. Mm-hmm. And she has strict instructions to burn it upon my death. Beautiful. I love a sibling <laughs> it pact. Was... I love a oh, it's crucial. espionage <laughs> sibling pact. That's <laughs> very important to have. Um, and so she, oh God. Okay, so I was, yeah, I was 12. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was earlier than I thought. It was about 12 through the sixth grade. And I got this old, like, binder and I filled it with wide ruled loose leaf paper this is so romantic it's so romantic and I wrote I call it a I called it a trilogy at the time I don't Mm -hmm. think it was like you know there is a legal novel length and I am sure Mm. I was not at 50,000 words (laughs) but (laughs) I called them three separate books in the same binder in the same one inch binder so definitely wasn't up to a NaNoWriMo standards but beautiful (laughs) beautiful they were basically like a again Pirates of the Caribbean Mm -hmm. meets X-Men what so the pirates all had superpowers that is actually a fantastic idea though (laughs) I would watch the (laughs) shit out of that movie (laughs) and like a lot of it was just like blatant ripping off (laughs) from movies I'd seen or you know things I'd read because that's where you start yeah no one wants to talk about that but you start by looking at the things that influence you totally and trying to emulate them yeah I feel the same way about you know painting or um like drawing if you have to start with a reference you start drawing the stuff you're interested in and then eventually you want to take your own twist on it exactly it's like you know, I am a piece of everything I've ever read. Right. And it's so, yeah, definitely started in a really embarrassing place. And I think I ended, I didn't finish the third air quotes in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think I just stopped <laughs> mid-sentence like, and never picked it up. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> Let's look that. It's like, I've outgrown this. Oh, my God. At the ripe age of 13, you're too old for it. I was too old. But, you know, that shit got me through my parents' divorce. So, like, I can't complain too much. Fascinating. Hmm. It's very interesting to me when I talk to artists about their, you know, the initial stages of their process. It's usually what it's birthed out of. And maybe they don't even know that's what it is when they start it. And then, you mm-hmm. know, later in life, you reflect and you're like, oh, my God, that was totally just my coping. And that's why I need art to live because yeah. it's a part of my coping. No, absolutely. I, if I wasn't a writer, I don't I think I'd be in that case. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I, I certainly wouldn't be very functional. Mm. Yeah, I totally get you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, so the baby baby shroom art page really actually started taking shape in like March of this year Mm -hmm. because we went into so I had spring break at school and then we had the next two weeks of remote teaching to start with Mm -hmm. and um I had never ever in my life had more than two days at home 
I mean, I always yeah. been, even in school, you know, it worked every day I wasn't in school. So I just yeah. started finishing up a, up a bunch of projects I had started and then slowly started developing my own strange art style. And now here we are in December and I think there's no way I would have lasted the last eight months without it. There is no way. I totally get it. God, I, I recently found a journal from the beginning of this year. And I looked at the entry for like March mm-hmm. 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be working from home for three whole weeks. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do? Oh, baby. Oh, little baby. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, nine months later, right. still haven't gone to work, working from home. Probably for who knows how long at this point. <laughs> uh, possibly forever. Yeah. Honestly. Well, we are, we've maintained productivity. There's no reason to go back. Exactly. I mean, but they're saving so much money having you guys work at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in college because I also went to school for art. I, you know, you're in that place where you're creating all the time and it's like, mm-hmm. there's no reason to not be creating because you have the space to, and I still have so many pieces I made at that time, photography, video, painting, all of that jazz. And then you leave school. Mm-hmm. And you have to be an adult. And it's like, um, I have to make up stuff by myself. Like, I used to hate getting prompts for projects. And now I have to do it by myself. And when do I have time to? (laughs) And life is so crazy and chaotic. And making space to still make art is pretty tricky to navigate for a while. I completely agree. Um, When I was... Sorry. No, go ahead. When I was, um, so I had this job during the tail end and probably like two or three years after college mm-hmm. where I was a front desk receptionist for this super tiny office. It was a part of the Department of Defense and I had stuff to do, but because I'd begun this job as a student, mm-hmm. it was kind of understood and expected that I would be doing homework a lot. Mm. And then I graduated and I kind of just used all that time to write. And I like wrote an entire novel in my office. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've got this adult thing down. I know what I'm doing. And then I went into a different job and was like, oh, I actually have to do things. I can't do that. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's interesting. I feel like I'm in the midst of that right now because I have all this downtime I would have never had to create art during the day when my kids are working and I keep thinking like oh god what am I going to do when I go back to school but for now I'm just going (laughs) to savor it as long as it lasts definitely no it is I mean I I hate to be like let's look at the bright side of COVID but (laughs) it is (laughs) the lockdown has in many ways been a gift because I have done tons of work writing wise I've right. done tons of work work wise I've read like twice the amount of books this year than I read last year which you already and... read a lot of fucking books so that says a lot <laughs> I, I dabble um, <laughs> but I also think that my anxiety has never been under better control because I have to control it right there's nothing to distract you from having to deal with it it's like it's always Mm -hmm. there well it it was like a very clear lesson and hey flipping out doesn't actually help anything exactly exactly put this energy towards art or something along those lines so yeah I am not I'm not the amazing painter that 
that my dear friend here is, but I do paint bog frogs. Which are, I have to tell you, listeners, are fantastic and make me so happy. And Sydney and I will occasionally have painting days together where we just FaceTime and paint. And it's the fucking best. I highly recommend. It's the fucking best. Yeah. I love doing that with you. It's so much fun. The other week we talked for like two and a half hours and I didn't even notice it had been that long. You were like, it's dark outside. I'm like, oh my God, I need to eat. And we like started to call like the mid-afternoon yeah. and it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so when we come back from our break, we're going to take a quick break. Let's talk about... Um, projects we're working on and things that we're working towards for the new year and whatever that new year will bring (laughs) okay we'll be right back hello again hello (laughs) Um, so before we get into our projects and plans for the new year, um, what recommendations do you have for people who have a nine to five job and want to make space to be creative or make art? So what I did when I was still working in an office is I would utilize my lunch break. Mm. I would cook food at home and I would bring it to work and then so I wouldn't have to like travel or anything right take my lunch to the lunchroom and just have my notebook open while I- that was always kind of a way I could feel like I achieved something creative for the day and also kind mm-hmm. of refocus me for mm-hmm. the rest of the day um I would also definitely recommend just kind of making it a part of your routine um yes especially like if you're an, a morning person, all the better, because you can wake up, do an hour, and then be super productive the rest of the day, feeling good, knowing that you don't have to worry about making time when you're exhausted at the end of the day. Right. That's really what I do. I actually, I've, I'm also a morning person, and I very much agree with that, because mm-hmm. I can get a lot out before I feel weighed down by the day. Yeah, exactly. Well said. And I will say, um, shoot, and I can't think of what his name is. I'm going to go downstairs and look at the bookshelf. There is an (laughs) author that um, Franco and I both love who wrote two books, exactly how you described. He just wrote it at lunch. And he actually did a lot of the writing on his phone, like writing it in the memo field, if that was faster, or writing it by hand, too. But I think, I guess we don't really see our phones as these these portable computers that they really are you know absolutely now Mm. I had a um, I had a class when I was studying creative writing when we were in college together and um one of the things that my professor said that always stuck with me was and this was obviously pre-covid but he said (laughs) write in the morning because if you meet somebody who likes you at the end of the day you're and they say do you want to come home with me you're not going to say no I have a chapter to write what fucking college advice like oh my god i love that i absolutely love that this is so ridiculous it cracks me up so much (laughs) i can't find the book but it's called work one of the books i will put it in the description because it actually it's a book about 
being a working artist. It's really good. <laughs> but I cannot think of what the guy's name is. Um, yeah, I love that. I will also say, as somebody who has a job where it is extremely easy to bring work home, um, sure. and it is extremely easy to have messy boundaries, boundaries between mm. work and personal time are so important, mm. especially if you are a creative person and you need that creativity to survive in your work life. Yeah. I have... Um, started several ventures where my art was my income and I'm just Mm -hmm. not that kind of person. It kills the art for me to have it be totally my income. So for me, that means I have to have a firm boundary where I have creative time at the end of the day. You know, I'm really happy you said that because I really want to talk about that. I really want to talk about how you know, we, we decided to do this episode together a couple of days ago, and I've been thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And I feel the exact same way. I, um, I would love to be a published author, but when I – so I have, I have five concurrent works, mm-hmm. which sounds very impressive. It's not. <gasps> Shut <laughs> up. They are impressive. Oh, my God. The one that she wrote when she was at the college job – it's so amazing. I devoured you that so book. Sweet. Oh, you so, are so, so, sweet. so good. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's the book I'm talking about, actually. So the thing about public- publishing mm-hmm. is you have to have, like, you know, it has to be, like, X amount of words. And if you go over that, a assistant for a publisher or assistant for an agent is just going to throw your manuscript away. Just so crazy to me. That's so <laughs> yeah. wild. And so this this novel I wrote it was uh, it's called Underhill Hall, and it's incredible. Sort of... <laughs> <You're so> incredible. <laughs> it's it's sort of Jane Austen meets J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. um, meets Dungeons and Dragons a little bit, mm-hmm. and it was a passion project. I wrote it every spare minute I had. I wrote it in three months which is the quickest I've ever finished anything you wrote that in three and months it's huge the first draft yeah holy <laughs> shit it is huge no it's huge and that's the problem is it's it's 120,000 words right and when I was trying to submit it to a publisher I realized I had to cut it down substantially mm-hmm. to have it even be considered and I had to cut things that ultimately were probably better for the story mm-hmm. but also I had to cut things I really loved and I had to cut things that really broke my heart to cut and it was like you know if this is what I have to sacrifice right I just yeah I just don't know I really like I didn't want to write for a couple of days after that yeah I so even before I started going to school like um to end up working in film I had several side jobs that were like end up being full income of filming and photographing and it was kind of the same thing of it wasn't what I wanted to do it's what I had to do to make money and I was damn good at it but it killed it for me I didn't want to do my own projects it like yeah I didn't want to pick up my camera ever I stopped taking it places I never wanted to film it totally killed my work at school too and it's that idea of like oh, is this what I have to do to make money in this field? Like, then it ruins it for me. Absolutely. No, I feel like, I feel like it's okay. Like, there's this, there's this boomer core idea mm-hmm. that you have to 
make your passion your job or you have to you know if you if you love your job you never work a day and you're like, oh, which is such a it, fucking lie like, <laughs> it's such a lie yeah. and it's like I would much rather come home to this this place where I feel the most myself yeah and the place where I feel the most connected to who I am and who I want to be and what I want to achieve and where I feel the most relaxed and happy and turn that into capitalism mm. Right, which ruins everything we have come to see. Capitalism never oh, yes. makes anything better. Except never, m- never. Millionaires and their lives. But anyone else and anything else, it ruins it. <laughs> well, and I just, not to like go down this path, but I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, let's try a communist society. I'm saying that communism is a bad word mm-hmm. because one of the downsides to communism can be famine. Right. But capitalism was invented in the 1600s by britain who then in search for new capital mm-hmm. committed genocides and colonizing exactly. and slavery and just all and even look right now right one one pandemic and everything falls to shit and it didn't even take very long at all well yeah people are getting laid off like three days after lockdown yep and people are still getting yeah. left off left off let go <laughs> Let go. Yeah, I got I'm you. To say. <laughs> I got you. I was with um, you one hundred percent. This is the best thing about having uh, really good friends. By the way, is that when you are losing your mind because of COVID, um, you don't have to explain yeah. yourself ever. <laughs> Sometimes I just call Sydney and I'm like, I'm in the middle of a fucking freak out, and I need to just talk to you. And you're like, okay, all right, sounds good. <laughs> I'm like, let me get my paintbrush, cash it out. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, um, in Venezuela is having their election today. So by the time this comes out, we'll know the results. But um, mm-hmm. it, the person who the people want, Maduro, is a socialist leader. And the mm-hmm. way it's been spun in American media is that he's bad for the people. The people hate him. We can't have him there. And Franco and I were looking at pictures today of the streets mm-hmm. filled with LGBTQ groups from Maduro, women from Maduro, um, millennials from Maduro. That is who they want as their leader. And it's still going to mm-hmm. be spun in a way that the election was stolen because we don't like socialism and we don't like capitalism. Not to say that there isn't things like. to critique about him because there are, oh, but yeah. he's of what course. the people want. Yeah. I mean, and I socialism is also just like one of these stupid dirty words right. that means, oh, we actually take care of each other. Right. Exactly. And I, I just, uh, I could go on. I could go Same. on. But the point I'm trying to make is. <laughs> Don't spoil your art with trying to make it profitable because it will kill your passion mm-hmm. for it. And that idea. It will kill your passion for it. Yeah. That idea that you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do is bullshit. Because if you love what you do, you'll work really, really hard on it. And if you're willing to put that hard work into your art, whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. then awesome. I just know that that's not the path for me. I hear you completely. I, my mother is so, so wonderful and supportive, but she really wants me to be like focusing on publishing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure. And I, and I really appreciate like that there's belief in me and I really appreciate, but I just, I don't know. I really feel like, it can't be now. Right. Because it'll kill it for me. Which is okay. Maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I just, uh, I always felt like I was supposed to be something and a writer. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm a administrative assistant, which is great. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love my boss. I love my job. It's a great, great job. I don't want to die doing it. Right. right. <laughs> and I always felt like I was supposed to be like an archaeologist or like a linguist or something. But until uh, <laughs> until I get rid of these student loans, that's not happening. <laughs> um, you know, similarly, <laughs> I don't think I ever see myself leaving education. I don't know if I'll be a teacher forever, but educating mm-hmm. is it's as much a part of me as art. And I can't separate the two. Yeah. They exist inside of me together. And um I was trying to focus on, like, selling my pieces and, like, I don't know, producing stuff to sell it and then realize, like, what are you doing? This is the opposite of why you started this venture. Just focus on making the art. And once I did that, I felt – it felt right. It felt more of a relief. And yeah. I think it's so cool when people buy my stuff and I will never get used to it, I think. But it's also <laughs> – better for me to just make and share yeah in the same way I I remember having that exact same realization like this makes me happy whether other people want to read it or not I am delighted when other people want to read it but it's not necessity exactly and that doesn't make it like this is the boomer mentality also that doesn't make it a failure that doesn't make it not yeah, it's successful. Not yeah, if it's just for you and you want to share whoever with whoever wants to go on the ride, that's enough. You don't have to prove it to anybody else by turning it into a business. Agreed. You're letting capitalism seep the joy out of you. Aren't you already letting? Aren't you already doing that? Yeah, I mean, don't isn't that already most of your life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah. Um, so yeah, what projects have you been working on? What projects do you foresee in the upcoming future? So I have probably finished underhaul to my best ability. Mm-hmm. So that one's kind of on the shelf now. And then I have this other one. Well, really I have four. <laughs> so this is such an artist <laughs> explanation, by the way. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be like, I, I just realized how like graceless this is going to be. And I do apologize. That is okay. Um, <laughs> so the one I'm probably most excited about is this story about this linguist whose older sister kind of goes missing. And they're both members of this secret society of like, it's like 1933. Mm-hmm. And it's like the secret society of women who solve crime i'm just so fucking stoked about this story <laughs> this is the third time i've heard about it every time i get like chills i'm so excited <laughs> well and so they all have like code names and they don't they don't realize they're members of the same society right. because the older sister lives in america and she's a member of the american faction mm-hmm. and the main character lives in london but she's from america so she she's kind of always in between two things mm-hmm. she is she is always the halfway point she has an older sister and a younger sister who are very different and she is always in the center in the tween place and it's definitely not autobiographical <laughs> oh that all. doesn't happen that's not real <laughs> never no art is totally <laughs> always separate from the self <laughs> totally totally so it's it sort of stems from my obsession with like the mummy and um those safari like adventures Mm -hmm. 
like Indiana Jones, but way less racist. Hopefully not racist at all. God, I hope so. Unlike Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I rewatched that recently. It's Ooh. it's rough. Oh, my God. It's it's rough. rough. It's cringe cringe tastic. Yes. <laughs> and my I don't know if you know about the Uncharted games. Uncharted series. I do not. So it's basically a video game series and the first one came out in like 2009-ish when I was like 14 mm-hmm. and there's four of them and with a couple of spinoffs and I've played them all so many times and it's basically the same thing this are like archaeologically driven treasure hunting adventure mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what that book is it's a love letter to that genre for me that is just so Sydney I can't even explain it <laughs> That's what it is. You are uh, you're a pirate who's also um, academically and physically trained in the field of archaeology, but we live in the desert and none of those things have ever happened. But that is you and your sister. It is me and my soul. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. If you guys, if anyone listening, um, if of... that sounds like stuff you're interested in, you have to listen to Friends of Folklore because it is about folklore and it's also mostly about the sea and archaeology (laughs) it really is it really is it's it's so much fun I mean I'm so happy you're doing a podcast too because it's really yeah I'm really enjoying this we started in yeah we started in April and it's really been stitching me together and and keeping us close my sister lives in New York right and I'm you know New Mexico very far away how (laughs) does that like how does the pod fit in and or work with your love of art in general like where does it fit into your love of literature as well it really I was shocked by how much it enriches my life because it for one thing I have so we used to do it every week but then Abby went Abby was furloughed she went back to work so now we're every other week right. and so basically for a while there though I was writing a 10-page paper every week it was like you were in a like a graduate school Exactly, but I only had to study stuff I was super interested mm-hmm. in. So I, I, it has given me this avenue of like every new episode that we put out inspires something story-wise or art-wise for me. Right. And it really keeps my, my brain engaged because I'm, I, I require engagement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've met my husband. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know that I, I need to be, I need to be challenged. I have to have, I cannot bear to be idle. I have to Same. have stimulation in my brain. And this was just a great excuse to be like, okay, what is interesting this week? And is that why you guys picked folklore? Because there are so many options and what folklore is or what, what made you settle on that in general? So the podcast idea kind of started as I was, my sister is very funny. She is. (laughs) And she makes me funny. I'm not funny. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Yes, you are. Okay, this is a sidebar. Anytime, like, I'm grouchy and I tell Franco, I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to Sydney. And then I come out and I'm all nice and cute. He's like, well, I know you talk to her because you're always in a better mood. He says the same thing about you. Then he's like, "I can tell who you're talking to because you're cackling." Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so the idea kind of started, and it started really before the pandemic. But what I wanted to do was, I wanted the the podcast to be me calling my sister once a week 
and telling her a story mm. and having her kind of react to it. Okay. That was the original idea. And she kind of latched on to the thought of like, okay, we could tell each other stories. Right. And that's so cool. Love it. Yes. And she, my sister, is a fae folk. Mm. She has fairies whispering in her ear. She is, and always has been like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the folklore, I don't even know how that came to be. I think she just decided it. I think she's like, cool. So we're the friends of folklore. And I was like, bitch. <laughs> like, sounds good. Like, <laughs> Thank you for putting that together. <laughs> I'm on for the ride. Love it. And uh, yeah, she, she got furloughed in April. Mm-hmm. So, so 10 years ago. We decided to just. 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, she got furloughed back in 2001. <laughs> and <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Oh my god. So so she she was, you know, stable, but she couldn't really do anything or go anywhere. Right. And so it made perfect sense to kind of so we just recorded like five or six episodes and we released them and then we just haven't stopped rolling and it's been really awesome and I feel like I'm a much better researcher because mm-hmm. of it, which is crucial when you're a writer. Oh yeah. And very crucial. And like you said, you have gotten so many new ideas and inspirations from the pod mm-hmm. oh yeah totally even like I always kind of figured that that would mostly come from my own side just all the research but Abby teaching me stuff has also been like oh my god like I never even thought about this like she finds stuff that I've never even considered yeah to talk about and I get to learn all kinds of new cool things and it's just it's it's like a one-on-one classroom yeah I love I love that you guys switch every week because it's like I know what idea how do I say this I know the things that you Mm -hmm. generally will probably look into and I know the things that Abby will generally look into and I'm interested in both Mm -hmm. of them but I don't have to pick between the two do you know what I mean like it's not you guys fighting over which story is going to be heard like both of them will end up being heard and they're both so different but still fall under the umbrella of folklore but it's like these two the two ends of the spectrum of what folklore is. And I love that idea. Well, thank you. That's so nice. I appreciate yeah. that. It's, it's, it's definitely, we've definitely stretched the limits of the word because we, <laughs> that's what makes it we've talked about like, oh yeah. And like every time I'm like, Abby, that's not technically folklore. She's like, shut up. It's my podcast. <laughs> I'm like, you're the boss. So. Which I love because all the time you're like, Abby, shut up. It's my podcast <laughs> on the episode. Oh, yeah. I do that on the show because I'm the big yes. sister and I have to like keep yes. face. But no, she's in charge. <laughs> she's the boss of me and always has been. <laughs> well, that's also, you know, the beautiful thing about folding art into your life. It can be whatever you want it to be. There can be a reference point mm-hmm. from where you start, where you draw inspiration, like we said, from the things around you. But then you can make it whatever the fuck you want to. And the incredible thing about the way art is shared now and the internet, there's a lot of horrible things about the internet. But the interesting thing is, like, if you want to make something and share it, there's no one who has to sign off on it. You can just do it. And if people are drawn to it, cool. And if they're not, that's whatever, too, because you'll just make it for yourself. No, absolutely. It's it's a huge thing to put yourself out there like Mm -hmm. that. Well, um, this was absolutely wonderful. Um, Sydney and I could literally talk for the next five hours because we do all the time. Easily. <laughs> Easily. We save up <laughs> all of these ideas, like of stuff we want to talk about, and we message back and forth. And it's like, okay, we just need to call each other because 
I have too many things I need to tell you. This is what the progression is. We text each other. And then we send voice memos to each other. And then it's like, bitch, I have too much to say. I need to just call you. (laughs) And then the cycle starts over again. (laughs) It's a pretty fantastic cycle. I'm a big fan. Big fans. Um, Well, I'm hoping (laughs) if you're interested to have you back on in another episode in a few weeks. Of course. Because I just have like so many things I want to pick your brain about. I would be honored. Thank you so much for having me here today. This was wonderful love you thank you and um check out friends of folklore and i will link sydney's um insta in the description so you can keep up to date with any of her new and upcoming projects so thank you so much for listening that was a very accurate representation of what most of our (laughs) conversations are like with more screaming usually because we're laughing so hysterically and more total sidebar conversations but I hope it was linear enough to follow and if there's anything you would like to hear us talking about as far as making space for art let me know Sydney's co-host Abby will be on an episode um, in the new year so if you'd like to hear more from the sister duo, make sure you look out for that. And I will be um, uploading some more Friends of Folklore art this week. I uh, hope you're having a good December so far, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.